Hi, Sophie. Hi, Sin. Hi, everyone. And welcome to the Snack Covenant, episode 257. Today, we're going to talk about Bloodborne's Eshin Blood. Yeah, yeah, this was a Patreon goal, and we just wanted to thank everyone for helping us reach it. Everyone who supported us, it does it does mean a lot. Yeah. It is actually what allows us to do it, in a sense, because, like, this is not our, like, quote-unquote job, but having that support does mean that we can sort of do stuff we couldn't do otherwise. Like, it's paid for recording equipment, it's paid for all the animations. It's paid for takeout food when we don't have yeah, time that's to cook. What, that's what I was going to say, that, like, something that, it, that I think people might not realize is that, like, you spend so long editing that you often don't have time to do anything else. So you've been buying takeout food with Patreon money, but that's actually like it's meant that we're able to get things done faster because less time is spent doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, big shout out and big thank you to everyone for supporting us. It really yeah. means a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And Sophie, if people would like to support us on Patreon, where could they find us? They can go to patreon.com slash SinclairLaw and pledge $2 a month for how many other episodes are there now? It's like 100? It's like, maybe more. It's something ridiculous. to talk about the Ashen Blood directly is the antidote, isn't it? Yes. And the antidote description says, small medicinal tablets that counteract poison. Used to treat Ashen Blood, the baffling sickness that ravaged old Yarnum long ago. These tablets only provide short-term relief. The Ashen Blood alignment eventually triggered the spread of the beastly scourge. And to be clear, stuff like Bone Ash Set, Ashen Hunter Set, even though they have the word Ash in them, it's not the same. Ash. No, but Ash is kind of a big deal in Bloodborne. How so? Because you have, like you mentioned, like the Bone Ash and like the Ashen Hunter Set and the, the Marrow Ash. Mm-hmm. So like Ash is kind of a big deal in Bloodborne. Um, Ashen Blood is not really related to it, but... There's probably something in the fact they called it Ashen Blood. Interesting. Yeah. Thank you, Sophie. And speaking of what's it called, let's move on to our angelic outline. So, Sophie. Yes, Sen. What is Ashen Blood called in Japanese? Ash Blood. Well, like blood, blood of ash. I don't know. Blood of ash. Interesting. And could you please describe what it looks like? Well, it looks like um, your eyes glow red sometimes, and it looks like weird slime comes out of you and gives you poison. And since we can use the antidote, would you say that the components of Ashen Blood include blood and poison? What's poison? Okay, let me ask you a simpler question. Okay. What is the molecular structure of Ashen Blood? Hi, Sophie here. Sin apparently really, really wants to know the molecular structure of Ashen Blood and isn't just doing this to annoy me. Well, the molecular structure of metalloprotein hemoglobin is C2952H4664O832S8FE4. 
If we assume wood ashes are mostly calcium carbonate, then that has the chemical formula of CaCO3. Yes, it's content like this that has led to the incredible amount of support we get from our patrons, and massive amounts of apoplectic rage from everyone else. Back to the podcast. The Ashen Blood, in terms of the game mechanics, yeah, what does it do? All right, so let's talk about Old Yarnum. Because Old Yarnum is the first poison area of the game, essentially. There's kind of three. There's Old Yarnum, there's Forbidden Woods, and there's Hintertoons. So the, the poison in Old Yarnum is the bodily fluids of the beast patient's death. So when we talk about Ashen Blood, that's essentially what they're getting at. Like, everyone's blood in Old Yarnum became sort of sickly and, and toxic. So as a result, they had to give them the antidotes, and as they say, antidotes are only short-term, and then sometime after that, the beast scourge sort of broke out and everyone transformed. So we can assume that the Ashen Blood was the result of the Healing Church messing with the blood of the people in Old Yarnum. So when they talk about it being a mysterious illness, that was probably the result of the Healing Church seeding the place with beast blood, like a sort of a long-term beast blood abuse. Mm-hmm symptom is that your blood sort of starts going going foul going toxic the way ashen blood works in game in terms of a mechanic is there are two kinds of beast patients there's ones without hoods and ones with hoods it's the same model but according to basically like the game itself um the way that like everything's written out and this is also in the guide and everything that the ones with the hoods on are female and the ones without the hoods are male. <laughs> the ones with the hoods are the ones that actually do the ashen blood attack to you. So what they will do is when they strike you, they do poison buildup. And what they can also do is they can grab you and pin you down. And when they have you pinned down, they basically vomit on you. And that vomit, it causes so much poison buildup that I think it's essentially guaranteed you'll get poisoned if they ever vomit on you. Interesting thing about those female beast patients is also they're not frightened of the torch for some reason. The torch and the hunter's torch, if you wave those in front of the regular beast patients, they will run away, but the female ones won't run away from it. And so combined with the way that they're able to like vomit the stuff out, it almost makes it seem like they're possibly a little bit I don't know if more powerful is the right word, but there's something about them, like they're a little more in control or something. (laughs) So there's also another cause of Ashen Blood, which is also technically caused by the female beast patients, but they can kind of give it to the other beasts. It's very strange. It's something that only happens with a few of the beast patients in the whole game. I think there's only three of them. There's three. There's two in Old Yarnum, one in the Old Hunters expansion, and some in Hintertombs. And what will happen is there are these beast patients that are bigger than the others. They're always the female one with the robes. And what will happen is when they see you, instead of immediately attacking you, they will raise their head back and they'll kind of go, and they'll they'll have this huge sort of like banshee wail. And when they do that, all the beasts around them, um, which is beast patients and also scourge beasts. Their eyes will go red and they will develop the the poison affliction that the female ones have. They'll be able to poison you. That's temporary. It goes away after a while. Um, so if you've played Bloodborne a lot, you might be thinking to yourself, 
isn't there a scourge based in old Yarnum that does poison damage? Because it's like just around the corner from where you run to the Bloodstarved Beast's arena. But um, what's actually giving it the poison is that there's one of the larger female beast patients in the alley behind the house. So when she screams, she gives it that buff and that buff eventually fades away. So the other thing about the female beast patients, the large ones, is that of the two that we encounter in Old Yarnum, one of them appears to actually be leading like a congregation. She's standing up the front with the blood behind her and everyone is like in front of her, almost like she's like the vicar of that church. So again, there's something about them that like puts them above the other beasts. And they seem to, like I said, they seem to have some effect on the other beast's blood. They seem to be able to pass Ashen Blood onto them by doing that shriek. So that's Ashen Blood as far as the enemies go. The other source of Ashen Blood is the Bloodstarved Beast. Because what the Bloodstarved Beast does is it is constantly technically sort of bleeding, but if you look at the blood, it's not red blood. It's like brown. It looks like it's gone bad. It's starting to like... What's the term? Coagulate? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's starting to coagulate. Um, The the blood coming off it, like it doesn't... It, it, there's something wrong with it. And the whole point is like it's the blood starved beast doesn't have any blood in it. So the blood in it is like it doesn't have very much blood in it or like the blood in it's could have gone bad. So what the blood starved beast will do is at a certain hit point threshold, it will do this like screaming thing very similar to what the, the large female beast patients do. When it does that, um, it actually gets a poisonous aura around itself, presumably from all like the blood and stuff. And one of the things about the blood starved beast that is like, I'm fairly sure this is entirely deliberate, but I don't really see it talked about is that it's a deliberate foreshadowing of Vicar Amelia. Mm-hmm. If we assume we go to old Yarnum first, go to Old Yarnum first and you find the Church of the Good Chalice. And it is a destroyed church. And it has been ruined for a very long time. And there is the chalice on the altar. And then there is like the this like sick beast thing in front of it. So when you go to Cathedral Ward and you find Vicar Amelia and she is in front of an altar and she then turns into a beast, it's like, oh, okay, what I saw in Old Yarnum is foreshadowing what is going to happen here. <laughs> like something that we've talked about is um, it looks like initially in some older version of the game, the people of Yarnum were actually going to turn into beasts when the Red Moon descended. Um, that doesn't happen anymore apart from Gilbert. But the thing about Old Yarnum is Old Yarnum sort of fills that in for you anyway. It's like, okay, Old Yarnum now is what the rest of Yarnum is going to be like in the near future because of what they're doing. So the reason I'm bringing this up specifically is that Vicar Amelia kind of buffs herself by doing the same animation. She'll get this sort of aura around her that seems to be coming from her blood and it like it like makes her stronger. But um the Bloodstar Beast is trying to do that. But its blood is all is all rotten and disgusting. So it doesn't quite work and it just gets this aura of like sick diseased blood around it instead of making itself stronger um bloodstart beast again like the female beast patients it can do a grab attack where it basically just infects you by grabbing you so yeah ashen blood is is that it's like everyone's blood went bad from the beast blood 
no one had really seen this sort of thing before because it was something introduced by the healing church and the healing church were like, okay. And they decided that they would try to fix it. They used old Yarnum as a laboratory to see how can we kind of counteract this. And they, they put the, um, the antidote to them. And like I said, it only offered short term relief. One of the things about the antidote as well is like, it's something that they develop in the research hall as well. <laughs> the blood ministers in the research hall who are working there, they all drop the antidote. And the research hall is also where you can see them develop beast blood. So presumably, like, they were infecting people with beast blood and the antidote was designed to sort of try to counteract that. So when they did it on a larger scale with old Yarnum, they started bringing the, the antidote around to try to, like, see what would happen, essentially. I wonder if the people who worked for the healing church took the antidote as a preemptive measure. They probably did. Um, the other thing that's interesting is that the antidote gets dropped by the crows and the crows also drop beast blood. And I think the idea there is like, they're dropping it because that's what they've been eating. They've been eating corpses that were taking these different things and it's sort of coagulated inside the crow. Mm -hmm. um, God, this is a, this is a thing that happens in dark souls with rats. Okay. Where the rats in dark souls drop humanity. <laughs> and like, it's pretty clear that the reason they drop humanity is because they're eating dead bodies. And the bodies have humanity in them, but some people think it's because the rats are people that turned into rats. Oh. But no, but I think it's I think it's no, that's the diet. And it's the same thing with the crows. Like the crows the crows have antidote and beast blood in them because that's what they're eating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you think it could be like, oh no, my pet crow has been eating all these dead bodies. Better yeah. give him some antidote. It could be, it could be. Ludwig, Ludwig and his pet crow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm. And the antidote can be used to treat poison ailment that we get when we go into poisonous swamps. Yeah, yeah. The swamps are, um, those swamps are like the only source of poison in Bloodborne that you can, you can't trace back to blood. Hmm. because like the snakes have poison in them okay they're snakes but they also they're also infested with those ticks and there's all the references to like the snakes eating the beasts so i think like the poison from the snakes might actually come from that okay. like they're in, the snakes are infested with all like the same sort of corrupting substances as everyone else is and like i was gonna say like the swamps and the poison water that we find in the in the clinic cave and the research hall, but at the same time, those pools are all full of dead bodies. Mm -hmm. So again, it could just be this is like this water has just gone foul because of the stuff that's dumped in it. So the the swamps are really the only thing in the game that you can say like definitively. Okay, it probably isn't blood that made this toxic. Um, it's probably just it's just a poison swamp. Um, so. I think it's just for convenience sake. <laughs> mm -hmm. I just had a vision, like yeah. a silly vision, yeah. um, where poisonous swamps have existed in Yarnum for a long time. Yeah. And so, therefore, an antidote to those swamps has existed for a long time as well. You can right. just get yeah. it at the pharmacy. And Lawrence is like, oh, no, people's blood is going poisonous. You know what? Yeah. Let's just go get a bunch of those tablets. Mm. Glue a new sticker on them. Yeah. And sell them as our product. What do y'all think? No, he, he 
he's changed the formula by like one percent and patented it. That's <laughs> how this shit works in real life. Oh. Thank you, Sophie. Earlier, you mentioned that Ash is a big theme in Bloodborne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could you please elaborate? Okay, so there's three other instances of Ash being important in Bloodborne that are, as far as we can tell, totally unrelated to Ash and Blood. The first is Dura's set, which is called the Ashen Hunter Garb. And that set is, it's gray like Ash. It's like a grayish white. And if you look at the description, it says that it is basically painted with ash as this like ceremonial thing that they believe will ward off bad blood basically so the ash is like a protective purifying agent and if you look at the stats of Dura's set it has the strongest frenzy resistance of anything in the game other than Eileen's mask so there's something about the ash painted on Dura's clothing that makes him very very unsusceptible to frenzying but i think it also has quite um quite low beasthood resistance so again you're sort of getting a like well is maybe ash and blood and ash are somehow connected because mm-hmm. Dura's painted himself with ash and that's like lowered beasthood somehow yeah i see that yeah too. yeah um, which is different to like I mentioned Eileen's Eileen's mask. Eileen's mask is specifically described as like it works because it's like a real plague doctor's mask. It's full of all of these these herbs. So the smell from the herbs is like calming you down, which is different to to what Deer is doing because he's actually painted himself with ash. The other source of ash is the the bone ash hunter set which you find in the chalices that is described as it belongs to thumerians who basically burned themselves up and they're sort of like a spirit that just inhabits this bone ash armor it's actually very dark souls that you like burn yourself up and like you live on in the armor in english that's called the bone ash hunter set in Japanese, it's actually not called that. It's called, like, basically the charcoal set. The idea being, like, it's like your charcoal you've burned up. It still mentions Ash in the description. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, like, a lot of cut Bloodborne stuff related to immolating bodies. Um, a lot of stuff about, like, you know, rituals in which people will be burned up. And that is something that's, like, it looks like over the, the iterations it got less and less pronounced until it became basically just the bone ash hunters but like yeah that's a ash thing um we also know like in general beasts fear fire so there's probably something in the way that fire is used to dispel beasthood that is connected to ashes like beasts might beasts might like smell ashes and instinctively not want to be near it because they associate ash with fire there's also finally the bone marrow ash that is from Hamwick, and that is again, it's really nothing to do with anything else. Um, it's just the firearms in Bloodborne draw their power from the blood of the user. So if you coat your weapon in this ash stuff, it just basically makes the gun stronger. It works as a medium because it's basically like it's basically powdered. Um, it's powdered bone marrow, I suppose, but it's like it's like powdered concentrated blood that you i guess the bone marrow is where blood comes from so that makes sense 
Um, but yeah, it's like it's like I've stuck powdered blood on my gun to make it stronger. So there we go. Thank you, Sophie. Yeah, so like basically none of those things are connected. I mean, like, I actually know because like bone marrow ash comes from Hemwick, and Hemwick's where they burn bodies. Yeah, and we know that like Hemwick is it's like a place of the old traditions. Like it's mm-hmm. very it's closer to Thumerian traditions than Yarnum traditions. So yeah, them burning the bodies is probably like it's like a remnant of when they would burn bodies in in Thumaru to like I guess purify them. So. Mm-hmm. Actually, it does, make, it, it does make sense if you think of them as blood-obsessed, because it's like, okay, if we burn the bodies down and then we keep powdered bone marrow, yeah. that's sort of like powdered blood in a sense. Because bone marrow is the thing that makes blood. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Sim. Now, I think we covered the wear pretty well, generally speaking. I didn't know this was what, where, why. Surprise! One of Sin's tricks. <laughs> so, yeah, I think we covered the wear very well, yeah. generally speaking, throughout the conversation. Mm-hmm. But there's one thing I want to ask you about. Certainly. And it's a sentence. Oh. The ashen blood alignment eventually triggered the spread of the beastly scourge. Yeah. Could you elaborate on that? What does that mean? How accurate is it? Well, I think what it's referring to is like the ashen blood is something that happened as a result of everyone's blood being messed with. Okay. I think though, like when they talk about, oh, your your blood is filled with vermin and stuff, like your blood is cursed. I think what happened is the people of Yarnum's of old Yarnum's blood presumably they were all being ministered a lot or they were being given like we know they were being given beast but they might have been given other stuff that made their blood go bad mm-hmm. so ashen blood triggered the beastly scourge because everyone's blood was all disgusting and then when the red moon hit they all transformed mm-hmm. that's what i was getting at because yeah. it seems like in the sentence they're saying the ashen blood is responsible for the scourge yeah. but there is a lot more that's responsible for the scourge, including curses and red moons. Yeah. Which we talked about in many previous podcasts. Yeah. You know, we still haven't done one on your Sefka. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) We have to make a pact now, right? Okay. January 20, 2022. Okay. The day before Elden Ring comes out. Okay. Finally, do we a Sefka episode? Okay. I'm on board. (laughs) Good. Okay. For people who don't necessarily have the time to listen to 450 episodes of the Snap Covenant, including a five-hour analysis of Katekyo Hitman Reborn in order to fully understand the story of Bloodborne. Yeah. Could you, in 140 characters or less, explain the beastly scourge, what triggers it? Well, as far as old Yanam is concerned, the Red Moon descended over Old Yarnum. This is very weird because um, the Red Moon seems to be localized, but it seems to be localized like as a very late addition to the story. So <laughs> the Red Moon seems to descend solely over Old Yarnum, um, which I guess makes sense because it's like a weird ritual thing. So it descends over Old Yarnum, and that starts triggering sort of like everything to change. Um, it blurs the boundaries of like what people are and what the world is and because everyone in old yarnum was filled with 
what we're calling ashen blood, but like all this like beast blood. When it hit, they all transformed. And um, the Healing Church were not expecting this. No. Um, well, they may have been. I think they were curious about what would happen. It is really curious. What's going to happen? Yeah. So <laughs> when when that happened, they sent in the powder kegs to to mop it up. Mm-hmm. And um, apparently, the powder kegs didn't actually know those those were transformed people. Yeah. They just yeah. knew that there were beasts in all the Arnhem, so they slaughtered them all, and then they came to the realization. During this, that actually all those beasts were the people of Old Yarnum who had changed. And that's why Dura and Dura's ally are defending it, because they, it's like an attempt to sort of atone for what they did. And Dura believes the beasts don't pose a threat. And, well, no, this is the thing, is we, we've made fun of Dura for saying this, because they, they mean you no harm, and then the, like, the first thing that will happen is they'll try to kill you. But yeah. in a sense, he's correct, because... They're just there. They're just chilling. They're doing their ceremony. Yeah, they're not trying to leave. No, and they're not attacking each other. No, they're just asleep, mostly. So, like, he's correct. Like, if you you don't trespass and barge into old Yarnum, the beasts don't pose a threat. You can ignore Mm -hmm. them all game. They're not going to make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Sophie. Yes. The Curse of Cause. Okay, so this is this is kind of confusing because um, they keep sort of changing, like the, the exact mechanics of curses and everything is a little vague. But like, Cos has cursed the blood of Yarnum, um, and sh- what she's actually done is she's cursed the blood of the Healing Church. And because the Healing Church, if you think of it, actually, if you think of the curse as a disease, which fits with the way Bloodborne sort of is obsessed with like symptoms and causes and things being passed from person to person. Basically the Bergenworth murdering cause is like creates that curse. The curse is passed onto the healing church because Lawrence is from Bergenworth. And then the healing church passed that on to Yarnum through the, through the ministration that they perform on the people of Yarnum. Yarnum's cursed because basically they've allowed the healing church in. The thing about the blood is that it makes you transform regardless of whether there is a curse or not. Like, beasthood is not necessarily, like, the curse. What is the curse? It's like the blood is going bad. It's what's making people... You can see in the introductory um, FMV, there's the Yarnamite who's held at gunpoint, and he's got this, like, rotting eye. And that's the same pattern you see on the eye of the blood-drunk hunter, and it's the same pattern you see on the on the cracked sun that is in the nightmare. So it's like, this is the curse of cause. And it's like, it's making people's blood go foul, essentially, which might actually be like kind of causing ashen blood. But um, regardless of that, like messing with old blood always did cause people to transform cause sort of just making it worse. The curse of cause seems to actually be the blood drunkenness, like the, the, the sort of gradual like loss of sanity that comes with that. So she's sort of exacerbating this problem, but like I said, it's actually extremely confusing because there's so many different curses. Maybe in the future we can do an episode on the different curses because I find it really interesting. Like you said, the result seems to be kind of the same. You turn into a beast, yeah. but the way you get there, 
may be different for like every faction. I mean, if we if we lay it out, like okay, so so the way that like the the transformations and everything work is like if you have old blood in your system, it makes your body start to change, and what you change into is determined kind of by you, is determined by like your your essence essentially. It sort of opens you up, and then whether you become like a bloodthirsty sort of savage beast or an enlightened kind of celestial being is down to who you are. It's down to like how enlightened you are. It's down to how much control you have, things like that. So that's there regardless of cause. But what cause seems to have done is she has made people's blood also go bad. So they're starting to lose their humanity, so it makes them more likely to turn into a beast. I think that's sort of how it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Sen. Now, in What, Where, Why, we usually have three sections. What, mm-hmm. where, and why. Yeah. But here, I added an extra section. Yeah, which, which you didn't even tell me this was What, Where, Why. Did you even know this was what, where, why, or did you decide like 20 minutes in? Because that's the impression no, I'm getting from you. I have an outline. Of the, I've been preparing this outline for weeks. Do I get an outline? <laughs> oh my god, I forgot to send you the outline. Yeah, you I? did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boop, boop, boop. There you go. Look, you have thank an outline you. now. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's really Everything useful. Um, 37 <laughs> minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> So, I'm not reading it. <laughs> As I was saying, there's an extra section here called How. How does the ashen blood spread? Ashen blood was spread, I think, as we discussed um, not that long ago. Ashen blood seems to have been introduced to Old Yarnum through their abuse of beast blood. No, that's not what I mean, Sophie. What I mean is, if I have ashen blood... Right, okay. How can you catch it for me? Um, you'd hold me down and vomit on me. <laughs> oh my god. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Sin. And what measures can one take to avoid the ashen blood? You can wear armor that's got a high poison resist. Okay. So maybe like the white church set? Okay. Pop some of that on. Um, you can, of course, take the antidote. That would mm-hmm. certainly help. Um, carry a torch. It'll scare off scare off beasts. Mm-hmm. Um, Not move to Old Yarnum? Maybe if you move to Old Yarnum, they'd just, like, accept you. Because <laughs> that, that's, how, that's how animals here work. Because, like... Aww. No, if you feel like walk into a place and the animals don't recognize you, they get very aggressive and defensive. Um, if they see you every day, though, they just realize that you're you're just part of the environment. So, like, okay. there's all these birds around here that will attack people, but not me, because they see me as like, oh, that's this person just lives here. Aww. But then, if like someone comes to visit, they're like, what the, what the and they start like <laughs> cawing and swooping. Like, you don't belong here. So that would be a really cool mechanic for Old Yarnum. Like, if you go through it a few times without attacking anything, they accept you. That's how I thought it was going to work. Oh, 
because Dura's like, don't hurt the beast. And I thought, okay, if I agree, if I join Dura, they won't attack me. And I walk down and they attacked me. Yeah. You know what game does that properly? What? Dark Souls 2. What? How? If you join the rat covenant, the, er- the enemies in the rat areas won't attack you. What about the Royal Rat Authority? Well, yeah, the boss is different, but like... Okay, I hope in Elden Ring they have a thing where you, if you side with someone, like even the bosses don't attack you. They're like, go right ahead. Take the shard. You're one of us. Well, the, the Royal Rat Authority is like the, it's like the Rat King's test. He's like, can you defeat this to prove that you are worthy of being a rat? Like, that's why he's doing it. Oh my god, it's just like Reborn. Yes. You have to prove to Reborn that you can do these things. Yeah, And be yeah. the next 10th generation mafia boss. 10th generation rat. <laughs> 10th generation rat. <laughs> Thank you, Sophie. The first time that happened to me, I thought the AI was broken, because I went to Doors of Pharos and nothing attacked me. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> what have I done? And then it's like, oh, it's because I'm a rat. Okay. Sophie, yes. let me ask you one last question in the how category. Certainly. <laughs> how well do you think the government of Old Yarnum handled the ashen blood epidemic? Well, I feel like it, it wasn't really a local uh, issue. because it, it really came from, like, above. It was, like, the healing church's fault. So, I mean, if you look at Old Yarnum, like... They've kind of rebuilt a society, like, they're all going to church and, like, singing and worshipping, like, a giant mm-hmm. corpse and stuff. So, like, I feel like they did a decent job rebuilding. Yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. Oh. They're just chilling. They're just sleeping all day. Oh, my God. That's the dream. Yeah. It's true. It does seem to be very relaxed. Yeah. They're just ignoring you. Yeah. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Sin. Now let's move on to why. Wasn't that the last one? Wasn't how last? No, no, I added how before the why. If you looked at the outline which I sent you. So, Sophie. Yes, Sam. The antidote can be bought from bath messengers after we defeat the cleric beast and acquire the sword hunter badge. Yes. What relationship does the cleric beast and sword hunter badge have with the ashen blood? Well, it's because it's it's healing church medicine. So if you're a hunter, you want to have um, antidote on you. Okay. Thank you. What relationship do beast blood pellets have to the ashen blood? Well, mechanically none. Um, But like... It's fairly obvious that the church was seeding beast blood in Old Yarnum. So presumably, like, I, I guess, like, long-term beast blood use led to ashen blood, or maybe it was, like, a like some other kind of drug that predated beast blood pellets that had a poisonous effect to it. Because one of the things about poison is, like, the way you, you add poison to a weapon is um, you use what's called dirty blood gemstones. So there's something about, like, blood that's dirty is poisonous, so that makes me think of, like, well, ashen blood is sort of, like, dirty blood. I don't know why it was called ashen blood is the thing. Like, there's a, it, it's an evocative name. It could mean, like, it could, it could refer to the color of the blood, because the blood-starved beast's blood is, like, it's not red. Mm-hmm. And, like, the, the vomiting beast patients, like, they're, 
their blood's not. You know, they just vomit purple slime on you, basically. But like, mm-hmm. the the what I was thinking though is like, does it mean um, like ash? It's like got the texture of ash to it. It's like all sort of like coagulated and like it dried up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you think of the blood-starved beast when it does its like poison aura, it's like particles around it. Um, it's not necessarily like the blood is pouring out of it. Mm-hmm. it. Doesn't seem like it's. It seems like the blood is almost turned to powder, which is sort of like ash. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Sam. So I've read a lot of different theories on this, mm-hmm. but you said that it's likely the healing church messing with people's blood that caused the ashen blood. And how exactly did they mess with people's blood? Like, what procedures did they use? Well, from what we can tell, they they basically just gave everyone beast blood um, in pellet form. Because I also heard theories that were like, they put something in the water. It's possible, yeah. Because th- th- there is like, there's a river that runs through Old Yarnum. Um, it's actually, it's a really large river, but you also, you very rarely see it because of basically the angle the camera's on. But um, yeah, there's a massive river running through Old Yarnum. So like, I've heard a lot, like, yeah, like maybe they did something to the water. Are there any other ways you can think of? So that's a good example of the whole, like, it's up to interpretation, but the story still logically makes sense. Like these aren't actually completely oppositional things. So like the church poisoned old Yarnum is as far as like the mechanics of the narrative go, like that's what happened. The church poisoned old Yarnum. That's why they turned into beasts. But what's left open is like exactly how they did it. And it's also like exactly what it was like when that happened. Cause if you look at, if you look at old Yarnum, like the beasts, like they did used to be people and you see them in houses and it's like, oh, this probably is actually where they lived. And you can start putting together like, oh, this, there's actually like the, these beasts here are actually a family. They're not just like monsters in a video game. There's actually like, yep, there's like, there's the big female one. So it's probably the mother. And then there's like, it's like another one here, another one here. And you can sort of line it all up. And like, you can also see there's like, there's one house that's, um, there's like a beast patient that is, it's like one of the big female ones and it's above a corpse and the corpse has a blood tinged gemstone on it. And then there's two other little beasts like outside that room. And it's like, is this a family where mm-hmm. like the two beasts outside is that, that the kids and then the female beast patient is the mother and she's killed the father who didn't transform. And did he not transform because his blood was very strong, hence the blood tinged gemstone. It's like these little like vignettes and like, like another one I mentioned is like um, the way the female beast patients don't react to the, the torch, the corpse that you find the torch in old Yarnum on, there's two female beast patients nearby. So you can actually see, Oh, okay. Did the hunter try scaring them off with the torch and it didn't work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's all these little, like, and, like, the exact nature of, like, the ritual that's going on where the beasts are all, like, you're told, okay, these are savage animals, but when you go to Old Yarnum, you can see, like, very clearly the beasts are all, it's all organized, they're all standing around in a big circle, and they're singing this weird beast hymn. And there's clearly another beast that's actually leading the congregation, so clearly they're not 
completely instinctive animals. Like there's some intelligence operating. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just not something that we recognize. So there's all this stuff going on. Like that's the stuff that's interesting. That's the like open to interpretation elements of it. And it's why like it's why we can do that um Bloodborne story in five minutes thing, because the actual story of Bloodborne in terms of like the mechanics of like who does what, when and why and what happens is like pretty basic, but all the interesting stuff is like the implications of it and where it's going and what it's engaging with. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Sin. And one last question. Is there a way to reverse the effects caused by the ashen blood, like the transformations, for example? Um, well, this is... Uh, the problem <laughs> is, like, the the suspicious beggar, mm-hmm. who I'm just, I just treat as an anomaly who doesn't make any sense. But, like, okay. the suspicious yeah. beggar, um, he can turn back and forth from what we can tell. Mm-hmm. Like, he'll turn into a beast if he kills you or you, like, leave the area. When you come back, he's human again, but he'll transform when he sees you. And, like, you also have to keep in mind, like, Gascoigne turns mid-fight. If you go back to fight Gascoigne, he's human again. But at the same time, like, you have to say certain things are just video game logic. Like, mm-hmm. Gascoigne does that because he's a two-phase boss fight. Like, that's why he does it. <laughs> yeah. um, the thing about Beast Transformation is, like, it's not necessarily, like, oh, physically you turned into something. It's, like, your mind snapped. Like, mm-hmm. your mind sort of decayed. Um, like, L- Ludwig almost does it. Because when you encounter Ludwig, yeah. he is like he's got two heads for a reason. The first phase is the first head; it's the mouth. When you kill the mouth head, Ludwig comes back. Like L- L- Ludwig, the person comes back. The body doesn't change, but he's like mentally Ludwig again. So, like, but again, that's not, it's really not clear because this is some weird nightmare place, and like you have. Um, like Lawrence, um, even though he's like, it specifies like his memory is gone, but his memory's gone. But he has the instinct to like look for his memory. So even like like recognizably, the person he was has completely disappeared. When he sees his skull, he freaks out, and like Gascoigne responds to the the music box when he is a beast. So like remnants of the person remain, but. You can't really go back. It's just like you've snapped, like you've broken, like your brain has sort of like broken. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. It does seem like if you do go back with Ludwig and Gascoigne yeah. as examples, yeah. you don't really turn back into a human. No. Something like in your mind goes back to, oh, yeah, this is who I am, what's happening type deal. Yeah. But yeah. then it, well, for Gascoigne, it reverts back to beasthood. Yeah, for yeah. Ludwig, well, we don't know it's a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. Mm, interesting. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Sid. And Sophie, do you have anything else to add about the Ashen Blood? No, I think we pretty much covered Ashen Blood. Um, it's one of those things that's like, I guess because they call it Ashen Blood, people got a little obsessed with like, what does it mean? And like, I think it's just a name for a disease. It's like Pale Blood Sky. It's just like an evocative name for something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
It's not like Resident Evil where there's like the T virus and the G virus and the TG <laughs> virus and all this like virus after virus after virus. It's just like everyone got sick and we called it Ashen Blood. Sophie, do the outro. That was the Snake Covenant episode 257, Ash and Blood, thanks to our patrons. Woo! Woo! And Sophie, if people want to find more Ash and Blood, where can <laughs> they go? They can go to Old Yarnum and have a woman vomit on them. <laughs> thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Sen. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And see y'all next time. Bye. Bye.